There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Stories of Scotland, a podcast exploring the history, folklore and nature of this amazing wee country. I'm Jenny, a haggis hot dog. And I'm Annie, a spiced turnip latte. This episode is a little bit of a funky twist on the regular Stories of Scotland content because we're currently planning a wee trip to New York for the rapidly approaching New York Titan Week. If any of our listeners out there happen to be in New York and want to walk with us in the big parade on Saturday the 15th of April, then we'd absolutely love for you to come and join us. We'll be behind a big body banner saying Stories of Scotland, so we shouldn't be too hard to find. <laughs> and we'll definitely be going to one of the Kayleys afterwards, I think. We've not booked any tickets yet, but we will be. So we thought to celebrate New York Tartan Week and us journeying over to America, that it would be fun to cover some folklore that spans the Atlantic, from Scotland to America. I wasn't sure how much we would find on this subject, but it's been a really jolly one to research. First up, we've got a funny wee anecdote about how the Scottish thistle found its roots in America. America does have its own indigenous thistles, which are brilliant and an important source of nutrients for pollinators. But the Scottish thistle can also be found amongst many ecosystems in the US. But how did they make it across the seas? Well, one story says that a minister was immigrating from Scotland to America, and with him, he brought his mattress. As the kind of person who travels everywhere with my favourite pillow, I totally get where he's coming from with this. Comfort is key. And the idea of being on a transatlantic immigration crossing in the 1700s without my favourite pillow is, quite frankly, terrifying. <laughs> Now, the minister had a devilishly bad back. And though his mattress was not tempura, it was the equivalent of the day in Scotland, as it was a thistle-down mattress. 
While this may sound like a terrible idea, they were actually quite common at the time. See, although the leaves of thistles are notoriously spiky and harsh, you can collect the soft, fluffy seeds from a few thousand thistles and pack them all together to make a soft, soft bed. But when the minister arrived in America, though he was once proud of his thistle-down bed, he realised that there was actually a great abundance of feather mattresses in America, which were even better for his back. And so he opened his thistle bed and set the seeds to the wind to land wherever they may. And he filled his mattress instead with feathers. Ving, 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 ving. It's the invasive species, please. (laughs) It is far easier to spread seeds than to collect them. So I think once that mattress is open, you can arrest that man all you want. But the thistle is free. But what's more likely is that the Scottish thistles came to America in ornamental gardens of the more wealthy settlers rather than ecologically unaware ministers. Although, as such a vast number of folk did emigrate over the centuries, I wouldn't be surprised if they had been accidentally introduced in multiple places by multiple unwitting folk. And who knows, one may have been a minister with a bad back. Well, Jenny, perhaps a thistle-down pillow would give you dreams of home. Scratchy, scratchy dreams of home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here I have a story to begin with about a scratchy dream of fairies from Lewis. Ooh, this sounds uncomfortable. Let's go. Upon the sulkest waters of Loch Roach, a small mystical island rests, bearing a conical hillock that whispers tales of the ethereal land of fairies. These enchanting beings, as legend has it, favoured this very knoll for their moonlit dalliances and their midsummer revelries. Over time, the local folks forgot these old stories, as they were too busy undertaking the everyday practical work on their farms and crofts. It's easy to forget the fairies when you've got too many walls to build and too many sheep to count. One day, they were seeking to preserve their precious arable land from the wandering hooves of their cattle and sheep. And they began the laborious task of constructing a turf barrier to prevent their livestock from ruining crops that they were going to be planting. There were not enough stones in the area to be building a proper wall of stone, and so one of turf would have to do. As fate would have it, the line of the turf fence skirted the base of the fairies' beloved hillock. In their toil, the villagers sliced great swaths of sod from the hill's green flank. They did not think twice about taking ground from the fairy hill, as they had become so focused on building a turf wall to protect their crops. And so it was that the very next day, a young lad with dreams of piping melodies that would stir the heart found himself engaged in the craft of whittling a wooden chanter for his bagpipes. And just so people who aren't familiar with bagpipes, the chanter is kind of like the recorder bit that sits at the bottom of the pipes where the notes actually come from. But it obviously has your great big blowing bag connected to it. As he carved this detailed chanter so precisely 
A woman with an unusual glow emerged from the shadows, her eyes holding the secret of untold ages, her skin with a pallor of the moon. With a voice like the lilting songs of nightingales, she greeted the young piper and offered him a tantalising bargain. This strange woman vowed to reveal a secret path to a chanter of such splendour that it would surpass any that this young lad could hope to create. But there was a condition, as there always is in fairy tales. The young lad must return the displaced turf from yonder hillock back to their rightful place, thus restoring the sanctity of the fairy's hollowed haunt. The mysterious woman's words hung in the air like a spell. The promise of a magical chanter tempted this young lad to embark upon a journey that would forever intertwine his destiny with that of the ethereal beings who danced upon the hillock under the starlight. And so he set about this great journey to carry every single piece of soil that had been constructed into a wall, to take it back and put it exactly where it had been taken from, not an inch out of place. He huffed and hauled each sod of grass and peat back into the hill, doing the work of a village all by himself. No sooner had this young lad returned from his task of replacing the final sod, his hand still tinged with the earth's embrace. Then the fairy woman emerged once more from the shadows. Her eyes sparkled with approval as she surveyed the hillock, now whole and complete again, its fairy secrets preserved and safe once more. With her voice as soft as a thistledown pillow, she instructed the young piper to fetch Madja Nankuren, a humble stick that was lodged into a wall on which shoes were often hung. Now, many of you will have seen sticks wedged into walls before, but there were none quite as special as this stick, for it was near everyone's smelly shoes. The young lad was confused. He couldn't see how a random stick in the wall would make a good chanter, but he went to retrieve it because her words had woven a spell around him. She urged him to whittle and bore to hollow out the stick into a chanter of unparalleled grace. And almost as if his fingers were magic themselves, he had never before and would never again behold. When the work was complete, the strange woman bestowed upon this lad a reed that shimmered with otherworldly magic. So a reed is the wee bit that goes into a chanter that you press to your lips and blow into. The reed is what connects the piper to the chanter. That little bridge and his reed was to be a magic one. This lad, entranced by the presence of the fairy woman and the promise that his reed was enchanted, brought together the chanter and the pipes with a newfound mastery, guided by the fairy whispers. When at last he affixed his gifted reed to the mouthpiece, a sense of destiny and wonder filled the air. And then 
he began to play the bagpipes. The music that tumbled forth from these pipes, adorned with this enchanted chanter, this precious reed, this music transcended the realm of mortals. Its haunting melodies wove tales of moonlit dances and fairy dreams. It was beautiful music that broke the barriers between this world and the supernatural world, made everyone believe that magic was possible again, and they would not forget the stories of the fairies. This precious relic, this enchanted chanter, it was a symbol of the bond between the human and the fairy, and it was kept in this young man's family. When he became a father and a grandfather, he passed it down through generations. But the tides of fate would change for them, and they would find themselves packing their bags and setting off for a new life on the shores of America. And with them, they took their most precious item that the family had ever owned. Of course, it was the enchanted chanter, a testament to the enduring magic of the fairies and their beloved hillock in Loch Roag. So if you live in America now and you have family connections to the Isle of Lewis, then perhaps consider checking your basement or your attic for an old chanter that may just have been gifted to your predecessor from a fairy queen. And the way to check if it is in fact the magical chanter itself is to sniff it. And if it smells like feet, that's the one. Because it's from the shoe pole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good story. My story is quite different. It does weave together some familiar tropes, but it becomes an unexpected sort of epic tale as it carries on. So here we go. In our beautiful hometown of Inverness, where many adventures are known to start, there lived a quiet gentleman who had one son. This son's name was Rory, and Rory was a young man with a fickle heart and he became enamoured with the daughter of a widow of humble means. The daughter's name was Janet, and she had stunning ginger hair that tumbled down her back in tight ringlets. This union, however, did not please the boy's father, for he believed that the girl was unworthy of his only son's affections. He endeavoured with all his might to separate the two, yet their hearts remained entwined. For love often prospers most when parents disagree and disapprove. Just ask Romeo and Juliet. In his desperation, the gentleman sent Rory to the distant shores of America, hoping that the ocean's vastness would cause his son to forget the widow's daughter. Yet, the young man's love remained steadfast, and despite the distance and time, his quill danced across parchment, weaving words of longing and devotion to his beloved Janet back in Inverness. Time passed and Janet's mother unfortunately left this mortal coil and left Janet with a small inheritance. But this was just a mere fragment of Rory's father's fortune, for it was little more than a sixpence. Rory, who was moved by his love's plight, implored her to sell all she owned and journey across the ocean to join him, where they could finally be wed. With courage in her heart, Janet sold all of her possessions and set sail for America. 
Upon arrival, her love awaited her on the pier, their first embrace a testament to the resilience of their bond. Yet though he loved her, Rory did not ask Janet when she last ate or when she last drank. And Janet picked up on this as a bit weird, because she had just endured a long and arduous sea crossing, and they both knew that it was customary to welcome a traveller with a little bit of bread and cheese. So Janet makes a mental note of this strange oddity, but they carry on together into the ancient land of America. Eventually, they reached a sprawling forest, its gloomy shadows casting dark thoughts across the pair. The young man, still neglecting to inquire after Janet's well-being, led her deep into the woods. As night approached, Rory asked Janet to entrust him with her gold, for the darkness held many uncertainties. He vowed to protect her, but warned that he would be best to carry anything she held dear, for if robbers should find them in the wild forest, then it would be better if Rory had their valuables. Janet only had a few small coins left, but she handed all her wealth over to Rory. He already had her heart, so what difference did a few pennies make? When she surrendered her last earthly treasure to him, Rory asked her to pause and wait a moment while he checked the safety of the path ahead. At last, Janet thought, he's caring for my well-being. And Rory ventured out in front into the dark woods. There Janet stood, a sentinel of devotion, awaiting his return. But return to her, Rory did not. In the cold silence, Janet realised that Rory had cruelly tricked her and that she must now forge her own path, alone and penniless. As dawn's first light kissed the horizon, Janet glimpsed a faint glimmer in the distance. Driven by hope, she approached the source and upon reaching it, knocked upon the door of a humble house. There an old grey man appeared, his eyes holding heavy secrets. Well, where do you wander? Where were you going, lass? The old man croaked, his voice like the rustling of American leaves. I seek but a place to rest my weary head and a morsel to satisfy my hunger, replied Janet, her desperate voice tinged with hope. Ah, he said, his eyes sparkling with knowing. I can offer you a wee bowl of oats, but alas, a bed I cannot provide, for this dwelling is a haven of thieves, robbers, and miscreants. Only bad people stay here, and that would not be good for you. Her spirit undaunted, she declared, Well, I shall serve these rogues, for it seems my fate has led me to them. Moved by her resolve, the old man welcomed her to enter. He provided her with the promised porridge, and, in response to her plea for rest, he showed her to a room, but warned her that the robbers would soon return. He assured her that she would remain undisturbed until morning, and so she attempted to get some sleep. Yet slumber eluded her, Soon, the sound of the robber's arrival echoed through the house. The old man informed them of their unexpected guest, and they demanded to lay eyes on the stowaway. 
The old man refused, explaining that she had sought only to serve them as their housekeeper and that she had requested privacy until daybreak. As the night wore on, she observed their secretive rituals through a keyhole, watching as they stashed their ill-gotten gains. And with heartbreak, she recognised Rory stashing the meagre coins that she had given him, laughing with the rest of the robbers. Whatever could have happened to the boy that she had loved at Inverness? What could have made him turn so wicked? She watched as all the robbers retired to their beds, and the tables turned, for Janet snuck from her small room and stole all the robbers' treasure and fled into the night, thinking, Take that, Rory, you big rotten turnip. (laughs) Janet's strength of will carried her far, her heart pounding with each step. She feared that the robbers would pursue her, but none appeared. As dusk returned, she met a man astride an impressive horse, its coat the colour of a setting sun, bright blinding yellow. (laughs) Janet trembled, thinking that the horse rider may possibly be one of the robbers. Yet, when he halted before her and inquired of her origins, she spoke the truth and wove the tale of her journey from the distant port town of Inverness to the deep dark woods and being robbed by her love and then her escape from the house of the robbers whither do you travel inquired the man atop the magnificent horse any place janet replied where i might find employment how fortunate he declared for i seek a servant should you choose to accept my offer your quest shall end and i shall give you work and a fair salary Hardly believing her luck, Janet accepted. He inquired, Do you have any schooling, perchance? Uh, somewhat, she answered. After this, the man informed Janet that he would not be accompanying her to his house that night, for he was bound for a great city. However, he told her that she would know the way, for the road that she was on would lead her to an iron gate adorned with cryptic words. If Janet could decipher this writing, then she would gain entrance to the castle beyond, where every door would unlock at her touch. And there, Janet would find all manner of provisions, and he would join her come nightfall. And so Janet embarked upon her journey, and as twilight fell, she arrived at the castle. She looked upon the cryptic words on the gate and realised that it was simple Gaelic, and so she was able to translate it easily and unlock the gates. Then she entered into a great kitchen filled with sumptuous fare. She prepared a meal for herself and set aside a tasty supper for her employer, who was to arrive home at the stroke of nine. But nine o'clock came and went, as did ten and eleven, and still the man did not appear. Just as she had concluded that he would not return that night, a knock echoed from the grand front doors. Janet went to the doors and opened them, and there she found a man with a sickly complexion. Pray, enter, Janet invited. Since you extended your gracious invitation, I shall, he replied. 
you have but yourself for company. True, she said, but the master of the house is due to return any moment. As the old man entered the grand hallway, the candles flickered out. Do not fear, he said, for I seem to bring a chill in with me. It always makes the candles act strangely. I'm not afraid, Janet replied, but there is something about you that is not as it seems. With a sigh, the old man explained that he was indeed the father of the young man who had hired her that day, and that she was the first to survive a night in the haunted castle. Every other person who had tried to stay the night and gain employment had frozen with fear at the sight of him and forgotten to breathe. Janet responded that she had always been fonder of breathing than she was of being shocked. The ghost, for that's what this man was, laughed merrily. (laughs) After his good chuckle, he revealed his tragic fate. He had died at the hands of a wicked rival and had been buried in the castle gardens. But his body had not been buried properly and so his soul remained trapped in the earth. The ghost directed her to where his body was buried and pleaded with her to tell his son to exhume his bones and bury them in a proper cemetery. Janet was more than happy to help the ghost of the father of her new employer and so she did just this. The next day they moved the bones to a proper resting place where they would remain forevermore. And the ghost was never seen in the new American castle again. Yet, there had been a second request from the ghost on that fateful night. He had not only told Janet of where his bones were buried, but also where his treasure lay hidden. And so, Janet and her new employer dug up the treasure, and the grateful man gave Janet a third of all the gold. This, on top of the spoils she had stolen from the robbers, meant that Janet was now quite the wealthy woman in her own right. She was prosperous and content in America, where she started her new life. What a story! Love, death, robbers, ghosts, and hidden treasure. You just kept it coming. Yeah, I mean, the story just packed it all in there. A lot of the stories that we found that tied Scotland and America through traditional folklore had themes of hidden treasure. And I wonder if this is reflective of the high hopes that folk had when they were leaving their generational homes for distant, unknown lands. A lot of the people who left Scotland were economic migrants. They may be leaving destitution when they were boarding on the emigration vessels, or they may just have had the belief that they could have a much better quality of life in America. I think the hope of finding hidden treasure or the possibility of making a fortune would definitely be a thread of very necessary hope for a lot of people in such a stressful time filled with so many unknowns. So I think it makes sense that there's there's so much gold intertwined with these tales. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I've got a funny wee gold story here. So it's it's just a short one, but I think you'll like it. So a woman immigrated to America and she left her treasure hidden in the side of a hillock in Scotland. Just in case she ever came back. Now, she settled in America and decided that she would stay there. So she wrote back to Scotland. She wrote a letter to her son, who had remained. And in this letter, she explained about her treasure and where she had put it. The son told his best friend about this treasure, and the two set out in search of it. When they eventually dug a little hole in the side of this hillock, they discovered that his mum had been more wealthy than she had let on and there was a good amount of gold in the side of this hill. But the young man, he, he didn't know what he'd do with this gold, so he decided to just bury it again and leave it there for safe keeping. But his sneaky friend had other ideas and crept back in the night and he stole all of his friend's treasure, which is a bit of a mean thing to do. If someone shows you where their mum has buried their gold, then you leave their mama's gold alone. The next day, the son had changed his mind, so he went back to dig up his mother's gold, only to find that all the treasure was gone. Known it must have been his fiendish friend, he decided to trick his pal into giving the treasure back. He found his sneaky, sneaky friend, and told him that he was going to hide all of his own personal treasure in the same place that his mother had left hers. For super secret safekeeping, thus doubling the amount of gold that was tucked away in the side of the hill. His friend heard the ka-ching of a cash register and got pound signs in his eyes, and he thought, I need to quickly return all of this stolen gold in the hopes of waiting until there's double the gold in this hillock and then stealing all of it at the same time. And so that's what his friend does. He returns all of the treasure to the hole, tries to make it look like it was never disturbed in the first place. And so when the son goes back to the hillock, he goes and he digs in the same place and he discovers that all of his mother's treasure has been returned because, of course, he never had any extra gold to put in the hillock. Who's just got gold lying around in ye olde days? Or in ye nowy days, not in this economy. But he was pleased with himself, so he gathered up all the gold his mum had left him, and he bought a ticket for America to join his loving mother and to never speak to his dastardly double-crossing thieving friend again. And so he set sail for America. 
and lived happily ever after. All right. Well, there you have it. Don't tell your dodgy pals about your mother's secret hill gold. I think that one's fairly... That, one, that one's got a fairly simple message behind it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are listening to this and you know you have Scottish heritage and you know of folklore that has been passed down through your family, then we would absolutely love to hear it. So get in contact with us and let us know. Because I thought there would be a lot more. I thought there would be a lot more diverse folklore between Scotland and America, but maybe it's just not been collected yet. I think the stories that we found are they're really interesting that stories of gold and treasure and it's often the thought that you're either an economic migrant so you're going to go and find gold in a new land or that you've got some kind of treasure left behind and I think that's more likely a metaphor that you just recognize there's always going to be a special connection with the homeland even if you you know you don't have anything tangible with you but I, I think these are some really sweet little stories. Anyway, just a reminder that if you're in New York on Saturday the 15th of April, then do come along and march in the Tartan Week Parade with myself and Jenny. We'll have little badges to give out. Yeah, my dad bought bags of badges for us. It's very cute. So people will be getting badges if they come. They do say stories of Scotland. It's not just like a random badge. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't make it to the Big Apple, you can also support us by leaving a five-star rating and review for our podcast wherever you listen. This really helps others find us. Or you can join our Patreon, where you'll not only find loads more Scottish content just like this, but you'll also help support us as we continue to grow our wee show. So thank you so much to all our latest patrons, Angie, Davy, Sebastian, Dixie, and Livy. Welcome. I have a really fun story for us to end on. It's by a storyteller from Shetland, Peter Jamieson, who was born in 1845. He was known as Peter the Wee Liar. <laughs> I love it. Because his stories were so fanciful and his imagination was so vivid and, and he would tell his stories so often that he believed them himself even though they were ridiculous and it's it's such a cool story so where the sky met the sea and whispered secrets to the wave there was a ship sailing from liverpool to new york on board the ship was a carpenter named peter from shetland he was a man of artful hands and a heart woven with tales of timber and sail for he was the ship's carpenter. On this fateful day, Peter the carpenter plied his craft at the helm of the ship, and unfortunately, his favourite chisel slipped from his grasp and was drawn down into the sea's depths. He watched as it began to sink into the waves. A pang of panic and loss resonated within Peter, for a good carpenter never abandons his tools, especially one that held the memory of his many masterpieces. And so, with a deep breath, Peter plunged into the sea, chasing the sinking chisel in desperation. In that instant, time became an illusion, suspended like tiny bubbles that danced around Peter as he searched for his precious chisel. 
At last, his fingers reached out and brushed his favorite tool, reclaiming it from the blue abyss of the sea. And so he swam back to the surface, and as he broke through, his lungs gasping for air, his heart sank, for the ship that had been his home and his purpose had become a silhouette upon the horizon. They had not seen that Peter had gone overboard to get his chisel, and they were abandoning him to the whims of the fathomless ocean. But fate, it seemed, had other plans. A shadow loomed beneath Peter, and, driven by a curious mix of fear and wonder, he swam closer to it, and he clambered atop the strange form. What could it be? He peered down, squinting, and realised that he was standing upon a creature of legend. It was a seascape of monstrous proportions, its great wings undulating beneath his very feet. Now, with a daring smile, Peter sailed the skate across the sea, using its own tail to steer it through the waves. Together, Peter and the skate embarked on a journey across the Atlantic, where the impossible waltzed with the improbable, and the world was painted in hues of dreams. And this is why we call him... Peter the wee liar. When at last they reached New York's bustling harbour, Peter and the skate arrived a day ahead of the ship that had left him behind. The crew stared with their mouths wide open, unable to understand how the carpenter had outpaced them. Peter only smirked, his eyes glinting with the knowledge of a tale too wonderful to ever be believed. For in that journey across the sea, upon the back of a great and ancient seascape, he had discovered a world where magic still breathed beneath every cresting wave. So listeners, I like to imagine us, just like Peter, the wee liar, sailing across great seas on the backs of friendly giant seascapes. It's tremendous fun and None of us, no one, believes it's actually happening. All right. Well, I believe it when I see it, Annie. And until next time, Slangeva. Slangeva. Jenny, could you do a wee Nightingale song just to. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. I can do this. <clears throat> I've got my wings on. How was that? Beautiful. It sounded just like that, but slightly more magical. I'm always very suspicious if I arrive somewhere and I don't have a little bit of bread or cheese. All right, duly noted. I'll let the Americans' <laughs> customs officers know when we land. <laughs> <laughs> he asked her to entrust him with her coin. <laughs> so you did it again. Coin. <laughs> coin. <laughs> I'm going to say gold. I'm going to say gold. <laughs> I'm definitely not a ghost. <laughs> Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 